time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Well, we're so glad you're with us today on Reengineering Your Finances. I'm Walter Sorrells alongside Charles Weldy, the founder of CP Weldy Group, serving you throughout the Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chad's Ford, PA, on Route 52. Find us online at cpweldygroup.com. That's cpweldygroup.com. Charles, it's one of my favorite kinds of shows on today's program, a mailbag edition of Reengineering Your Finances, where we get to answer listener questions all about different elements of financial and retirement planning. You ready to go? I got a smattering of questions to throw at you this week. Yeah, absolutely, Walter. I'm ready. Perfect. Well, Marshall is up first on today's show. And Marshall says, I have a variable annuity, and I just found out that the fees are very high. I'd like to move the money somewhere else, but I'd have to pay a penalty to take it out. Is it worth the penalty to get away from the high fees? All right, Walter. Well, this reminds me of a story many, many years ago. I think it was actually 2004, right? So that's a while ago. That's 16 years ago. There was a gentleman by the name of George who came to my office. And uh, at that time, he had just purchased an annuity uh, for $300,000, a variable annuity. And variable annuities, as a general rule, have basically high fees, most of them. There are certain exceptions, but by and large, they do have high fees and the fees can range from three to 4% a year. So when I looked at his contract, um, basically it was, it was um, you know, what's the word? The free look period was over. So if he chose to get rid of that contract, he was going to have to pay a penalty of 8%. And I think he had like roughly $300,000 invested in the annuity. So uh, 8% of 300,000 was a $24,000 penalty if he got out of that variable annuities. Nothing to you know, uh, shake your leg about. I mean, it was like pretty substantial. But I was always trained uh, as an accountant in my former days. Uh, did you ever hear the T account where you just draw a T and up top you would put 300,000 amount invested? And on the left hand side, you'd have cost of staying in and the right hand side, cost of getting out. So I knew that if you got out, 8% of 300,000 is 24,000. So down the right-hand side of the T account, I wrote 24,000 costs to get out. But then I said to him, I said, George, you know, do you know how much this uh, annuity is costing you per year? And he didn't know. So I said, I, I believe it's costing you like, you know, three or 4% a year. Let's just use 3%. So I said, all right, 3% of 300,000 is how much? And he said $9,000. So I wrote $9,000 in the left-hand column, cost of staying in. And I said, George, that's just the cost for one year. I mean, you didn't get this annuity for it to go down in value. You got it for it to grow. What do you think it's going to grow by per year? And he said, ah, about 6% a year. So what I did, Walter, is on the left-hand side, I started with what? 3% of 300 grand, which is $9,000 a year to keep it. I just increased that $9,000 a year by 6% a year, say for the next five or six years. And then when I added it all up, I said, George, I said, according to my analysis, it's going to cost you $58,000 to stay in and $24,000 to get out. What do you think we should do? And he said, I, I think we should get out. And I almost fell off my chair, but he made that decision based on my analysis of the cost of the product. I think today it might be hard to do that. You probably have to dollar cost average out of it. But the point I want to make is just because fees are high doesn't make an investment bad. But the reality of it is if stocks are going to do eight, nine percent, you know, and that's pretty optimistic and you've got to get three, four percent to the insurance company for the promise of, a, you know, uh, your principal being protected. Uh, I'm not so sure that's a good trade off. 
Yeah, I could see that being something where um, a lot of people are confused with. I know variable annuities are kind of definitely a flashpoint, if you will, in the financial world. I mean, they get a lot of negative press and they're, they're very complicated products, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've got riders. I mean, just the underlying uh, expense ratio of the products, you know, they might be 75 basis points to 1%. But, um, you know, there's another 1% uh, fee, I guess, for the advisor, 1% for the insurance company. And then the riders could be another 1%, depending upon, you know, what you, you want to get, lifetime income, that type of thing. So you, you really got to be cognizant of like, you know, what makes up the, um, you know, that annuity. And, you know, you purchase a contract and it has 100 pages in it. Um, you know, sometimes it's tough to tell. Yeah, it's a good point. Great question, Marshall. If uh, you have a question about variable annuities, want to run that by Charles, get an analysis of your investments and how they might better perform in your portfolio, Charles can certainly run an analysis for you and get a complimentary review of your plan. 610-388-7705. If you have a question you want to ask Charles or go to cpweldygroup.com to get in touch online. Samantha's up next. Samantha says, unless something goes horribly wrong, we should be leaving a significant amount of money to our kids, but I can't decide if we should tell them about our plans now or just let it be a surprise. I'm certain they have no idea what our net worth is like. Yeah, this is um, that question. I would say like if my client base, probably, you know, three out of four or four out of five people uh, keep it to themselves. They don't share their net worth you know, information with their kids. And I have mixed emotions about that. I mean, you know, I haven't shared, you know, my uh, personal information with my kids either. So I think it's a personal decision. But one of the things that we do in our practice here, Walter, is we create like a family estate organizer, which basically has everything in it. You know, what your assets, liabilities are, what your you know income is, copies of your tax return, if you have any trusts or insurance policies. So everything is in a personalized binder. And it really is up to the client's to determine, you know, if they want to share that information with their kids or not. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, um, as I said earlier, um, it's kind of a tricky situation. I mean, money is uh, personal to a lot of people and why we, you know, are so mum about it, maybe don't speak about it to our family members. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know whether it's good, bad or indifferent. Yeah, I think that's definitely a personal decision. I think just what's important to hear is that you kind of can help people walk through that and evaluate both sides. I mean, there's positives and negatives to letting family members stay in the dark versus allowing them to plan. I mean, it's not a bad thing sometimes to let them plan for what's coming down the pike and that sort of thing. Um, so it's good, I, but it definitely, I think, is something that varies family to family and doesn't sound like anybody should feel bad leaning one way or the other. Yeah, but you know what? I, let me interject for a second. I am you know, working on a current case where where I have a client who is in his 80s. He's like mid 80s, 84. His wife is maybe in her late 70s. Uh, they have a lot of money, like almost 20 million dollars. It's a pretty big case, and um, one of their sons, you know, is privy to uh, you know what their net worth is and what their tax situation is. And uh, yeah, I don't see too many uh, cases where you know, a son or a daughter will get involved. But uh, this is a particular uh, case where not that the parents aren't competent, they're, they're, you know, they're still well aware of what's going on, but they open up to sharing their um, personal situation with their three kids. And we're in the process now of trying to minimize uh, the family's estate tax burden. And so I, I can see where 
even though the majority of the people that I meet don't share that information with their kids, if there's like big tax issues and things that need to be addressed, uh, you know, pronto, it's almost um, not mandatory, but it's it's pretty important maybe to bring the kids in and uh, tell them what you're thinking. And maybe they could add some value as to what we you know want to propose for the parents. I mean, the parents are going to end up getting a big insurance policy if they want to minimize or eliminate the estate tax problem. And, um, you know, at 84 years old and late 70s, yeah, they can make decisions, but it's probably better off to bring, you know, the young people in that, you know, um, are going to be eventually the beneficiaries of the parents' estate and see if they were their parents, would they pull the trigger and purchase in this policy or not? So, Again, you know, uh, that just popped into my mind, a big case. And it's almost like you need to bring the kids in because if the parents do decide to get the insurance policy, you want to make sure the kids are on board with the recommendations that we're making. We're talking about some great questions today from our listeners. And if you want to submit a question, please go online to cpweldygroup.com. We'll put uh, contact info in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to find that way to ask a question. Another good one here from Tom. Tom says, we have a lot of big travel plans once we retire, including destinations on all seven continents. Do we need to plan on having even more income in retirement than we have right now? Well, I don't really have you know, information on what income they have you know, for retirement right now, but if they were planning on these like you know, wonderful trips, uh, the seven different continents, I would think they need a vacation uh, budget and I would just make sure that that was part of their overall plan. I mean, we talked in prior podcasts, Walter, about the importance of the uh, preservation piece. You have now, soon, and later money. Well, you know, when people retire, they better go on vacation sooner rather than later because as they age, you know, sometimes you just are not up to traveling like you were like 10 years earlier. So uh, I would just make sure that in that soon bucket, we had an allocation for these, you know, extravagant vacations that they were thinking about taking to seven different continents because, um, you know, that seems like that's something that they need to do sooner rather than later. And if they don't earmark that money, you know, it could be subject to market volatility and maybe that uh, vacation, that travel wouldn't happen. Yeah, that's a great point. So uh, I love how we cover a lot of ground on these types of shows where we're answering all these different questions. We've bounced around so far from variable annuities to kind of uh, legacy and estate planning, if you will, to talking about travel and retirement. We've already covered a lot of ground. Here's a question from Leo for you. Uh, Leo says, is it wise to have a trust as part of my financial and estate plan? It seems that a lot of people I know have one. Well, I would say that uh, a lot of people that have trusts that I've seen, like a lot of them are just not uh, pertinent anymore. I mean, maybe in the past it was a big deal with the estate exemption being as low as like $300,000. Now, I think the estate exemption is north of um, $10 million each for you know husband and wife if they're married. So in the real world, uh, the, the trust would be something that would be... Um, pertinent if someone wanted to control their assets beyond the grave. For instance, if um, you know one of their kids was in a bad marriage, uh, there was some alcohol and drug problems or spending problems with some of the beneficiaries, that might be pertinent. But by and large, um, the trusts that I see today, the majority of them are life insurance trusts where you know a trust will own a life insurance policy so that when the people pass away, that income or that asset is not included in their estate. So that's a good tool. Trust is a good tool for life insurance policies to 
depending upon you know the amount of the, the life insurance death benefit and uh, the net worth of the client. But they do have these um, IRAs. There's IRA trusts where people have large IRAs, and upon their demise, they just want the money to be distributed, you know, um, to their kids, uh, you know, generally to their kids or grandkids, uh, you know, uh, in a certain manner, and and that. Is something in the past that was a big deal and it was a good thing but uh recently they just came up with the cares act that says hey if you pass away in 2020 or beyond uh the kids are going to have to clean that ira out within 10 years and uh trust taxation with income is really high so um the point i want to make here is yeah trusts are still important but maybe uh more so for life insurance and less so for um, you know, control and income to the kids because uh, the kids are going to have to clean that that IRA out in the example that I just gave within 10 years. And maybe the trust uh, is an older trust that needs to be revised or, you know, uh, rethought. That's a great point, Charles. And uh, another good question. Thank you, Leo, for that one. Uh, trusts and those kinds of estate planning items do come up a lot as part of the financial plan, or at least they should be part of the conversation when you're working with somebody who's taking that holistic look at your financial plan. Uh, one more question. We've covered a lot of ground on today's show, and this one comes to us from Emily Charles. Emily says, when should I start focusing less on growing my money and focus more on protecting it instead? I plan to retire in two years, and the market volatility lately makes me really nervous. Yeah, well, in uh, football, Walter, the uh, red zone is what, uh, 20 yards out, you know, into right. the end zone on both sides of the field. Well, I would say the red zone in retirement is probably five years out, five years out from retirement and maybe the first five years of, of your retirement. And I think it's really pertinent and critical to, uh, you know, protect some of the monies that you've earned, you know, throughout the accumulation process. And earlier in the podcast, whether it was this one or a previous one, I had mentioned uh, the money cycle where people generally go from accumulation to distribution. And uh, it's the biggest mistake people make is they fail to create a preservation piece where they could actually like, you know, take income for a certain period of time, regardless of whether markets were up, down or sideways. So, um, you know, if she's going to like uh, retire in two years. I think the best thing for her to do is to, you know, really create a plan that will actually like have assets protected and assets growing. You know, according to what her income needs are for her retirement years. So uh, it's never too late to plan. You know, I think uh, everyone's portfolio should have an element of protection and an element of growth. And uh, that's the beauty of a plan. Everybody's different. Some people might have a much larger sooner bucket because they're going to be spending money sooner rather than later. And other people have a uh, much greater le later bucket. Uh, they want to leave a legacy or maybe they're not big spenders or maybe they have a nice pension and they're living well within their means. So uh, the beauty of planning is we all want the same thing, peace of mind and cash flow. And, um, you know, having protection and growth in your uh, investment portfolio is really like prudent and uh, uh, really something that everyone should take advantage of. If you have a question like what you've heard on today's show and want to talk to Charles Weldy about it and go over your own financial plan with Charles and the team at CP Weldy Group, you can pick up the phone and give a call to 610-388-7705. Again, that's 610-388-7705. Or get the contact info for Charles on the website, cpweldygroup.com. And we're going to put that contact information in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to look, locate, 
find, and utilize. Again, cpweldygroup.com or give a call to 610-388-7705. Well, Charles, thank you once again for the help on today's show. I enjoyed uh, getting this uh, variety of questions in there today, and we'll look forward to another show with you next week. Thank you, Walter. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much. That's Charles Weldy. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for taking the time to join us. We'll talk to you next time on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.